0: Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitinor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week... Hello, peers, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast powered by Shopify. This week's guest, Sweelin Lee, is one of the clever brains behind the refugee platform Picture Eats, a social enterprise that aims to use meals as a vehicle to support refugee families in Malaysia. After not really enjoying her accounting and business degree, as once hoped, Sweelin volunteered in a KL refugee living centre and saw a systemic problem unfolding right in front of her eyes, one which she decided to make it her mission to fix. In today's episode, we sit down with Sweelin to hear about her journey to entrepreneurship, how to recognise and be grateful for our privilege, and how not being interested in our university studies changed her life path to help others. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now Post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Sweelin. Lee. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's my first time in a podcast. (laughs)
0: Oh, amazing. Well, hopefully we give you a good experience. (laughs) Amazing. You know what, Lee? You and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing and social entrepreneurship, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: You're welcome. (laughs) I'm happy to be here.
0: Amazing. So look, Lee. for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Sui and people usually call me Sui and I'm a social entrepreneur based in KL. And I run a food company called Picha Eats, where what we do is that we basically help refugees to sell their food and through our platform.
0: So, so fascinating. And I've been calling you, I think, by your Australian name, Lee, but yeah. I'll call you Sweelin <laughs> from now on. So, so fascinating, Swee Oh my goodness. And I can't wait to dive deeper into your business and all the good work you're doing. But before we do, I'd like to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far?
1: So the first question is where I've grown up. So I grew up in, a, in in Malaysia in a very small town called Malacca. Malacca is a quite a historical city and things like that. It's quite small. So I grew up in Malacca till I'm about 18 and then I moved to KL to study and after that continue to work here and started Picha Eats here. I think growing up in Malacca, because it's quite a like quaint city, small city, I think a lot of people that are very down to earth, the way they do things and things like that, it's very different compared to a big city. And I think things like in KL, you don't really see, you know, neighbours talking to each other because there's a lot of people here. But in Malacca, you know, the place that I've stayed, like we talk to our neighbours, we share food, we give, we help each other. So also, I think that sort of impacted me in a certain way where certain things we still practice in Picha and I mean I never really thought through much about it until you asked this question but I guess those background and how I grew up and just the city and you know my parents are in Malacca as well now so all of that I think a combination of that sort of brings me to where I'm at now today
0: so so fascinating Swaylin I think You know, the fact that you kind of grew up in that really small town vibe, you know, everyone wants to say hello and it's all very friendly. And then you went to the big city and you started your business in the big city. You know, I think it's just so, so interesting that those things that you learned growing up still stuck with you. You know, what do you think were some of the key things that you learned growing up in the country and that still stick with you today?
1: I think one definitely is humility. I mean, I grew up in a very moderate, family but i know that my great-grandparents who came from china of course came here and started their own thing as well so i feel like in me there's always this sort of entrepreneurship but you know last time they don't call it that they call it probably you know just just surviving or starting i think humility is one key things like i think yeah that is one where i think how even my parents they didn't really finish like school because I think my great-grandparents didn't have a lot of money and things like that. But I think, you know, looking back today, it's not like my parents are rich, but they are okay. They are all retirees. They are like enjoying life, chilling, doing whatever they want every day. Previously, like they were traveling in countries that they've never been and things like that. So I think that also incorporated a lot of greed because I do know how much my parents sacrificed a lot of things. Like I think nowadays, like, you know, we call it the, the millennial or the Gen Z where it's very easy for us to choose jobs that we want, we don't want and things like that. And easy for us to change jobs every single year, every single two years and things like that. But I think for, for my parents, like that, I think they only had like one job and then or maybe one or two job, and then they stayed throughout no matter how hard it is. So I think that is also something that teaches me in a way where I mean, livelihood, survival is very important. And to me, uh, going to the third point, which is not to take things for granted, I think we all now uh, easily take things for granted. Like, you know, we can find another job, we can do this, we can do that. Uh, We sort of also take life quite simply. Like, just because, you know, we are not born in the war country, for example, doesn't mean, you know, it won't happen the next day. Because I think in Malaysia, also the political uh, situation, I mean, it's not bad, but It can be bad, I guess, if things want to change. So, you know, you never know, maybe the next day if the political things turn, turn, then we might be the next refugees that goes to anywhere, right? So I think that is the three things, which is humility, uh, greed, and also taking things not for granted, but more like preciously, like even time, effort, ourselves, and things like that.
0: When was a time where you felt like you took things for granted
1: Mm, i think i think it's very common that everyone have this um internal like you know i want to be like this person or that person and things like that it's normal to think oh if i want to study like let's say medicine which is it costs half a million in malaysia um so i I feel like you know if i want to study medicine for example i feel like oh my parents probably could support me or maybe not so i feel like at that time i think it's just a thought process uh I mean, I didn't do medicine or anything, but then uh, I feel like the takings for granted is that, you know, my parents will always be there for me. Uh, if I want to do something, they will always support me and things like that. I think that is, I mean, I didn't really label that that is taken for granted. But now if I think back, yeah, yeah, that is taken for granted because I, whatever I want, I feel like, you know, my parents could provide for me until I think maybe about like six, seven years ago, my mom was diagnosed with quite active third stage breast cancer. And I think that just, I mean, now she's okay, she's fine. She, she went through all the treatments and things like that. But it was really like, I think to see her to go through the process is a really, really, very painful because and i think if i were to go to i don't think i can make it <laughs> to be honest because the things that she went through and every you know chemo or, or radiotherapy or things like that that she's been through like after that she just like super tired and i even see you know because i went to the hospital with her uh, i even see you know the people there like if they if their body cannot take it they were just like you know just collapsed and hospitalized. So I think that sort of changed things a little bit like for all of us uh, because I have two two other more siblings. Yeah, to, you know, not take things for granted, I guess, because, you know, things can just change because I think my mom, she, like when she had the breast cancer, she didn't feel anything. Like there's no pain. There's nothing. Like basically, she's fine. She go for yearly health checkup and things like that until she just decided to, accompany her friend to do the mammogram and things like that and then her friend was okay but then she found out yeah so it was very very surprising.
0: Oh my goodness Sui Lin we so appreciate you being so open with us I mean I can only imagine how traumatizing that time would have been for your entire family oh my goodness so glad to hear your mum's okay now but I think you raised some really important points and I actually couldn't agree more I think I was sitting there nodding my head furiously at Sweden because, you know, the idea of that my parents will take care of it. It's okay. I'm safe. You know, I think that's a very common, you know, trait to have. It's definitely something that I went through and I had the privilege to experience as well. And I think it's really when we start to recognize as we get older, I guess, and as we build businesses and as we navigate through our career paths that like, wow, that was actually a massive privilege, which I didn't even really realize when I was younger. So fascinating. I want to dive a bit deeper into the story, Sweelin. So, you know, you've moved to the big city, moved out of home and you're studying, I think it was accounting and finance at UCSI University in KL. You know, talk to us a little bit about what that transition was like for you and what those days in college and a university were like and what they taught you about yourself.
1: I feel like, you know, the, my uni life is something that, you know, people always ask question Like, if there's one thing that you want to change for your past life, what would it be? <laughs> I feel like it will be my uni years. It's because I feel like, to be honest, like, I mean, I'm quite a studious person. But then I also realized that I hated studying, which means that a lot of uh, times in class, I would just study for the sake of, you know, getting the marks, right? And finishing the assignments and things like that, which is very typical Asian, I guess. So I feel like you know in uni when I first moved to KL when I was eighteen I think I feel like I didn't really feel much <laughs> like it's a normal I know I have to be independent it's in the a transition there's of course a bit of uncomfortableness there and things like that if I were to think back compared to now I would say that now there is more uncomfortableness it's just that I've grown now I I guess more mature in a way. Yeah, but I feel like at that time when I was 18, it was okay. Like it wasn't that bad, actually. But I think in uni years, it's something that I feel like I never really take things more seriously. Like I go to class, I come back, then I do my other things as well. So because I started my own activities, hence I actually never really talk to my friends in class or I just go to class, like I go back and I do my own thing. So I think that is one of the things. It's not my like biggest regret. I feel like if I were to repeat it bad, like I would probably repeat it a bit differently. Nah.
0: <laughs> Why do you think that was the case for you? You know, why do you think that you were just like, Oh, I just wanna do my own thing, I'm over it, you know, where do you think that came from for you? I think so many of us can relate.
1: I think for me is like I mentioned earlier, that like I feel like I'm, I mean I can study just for the grades, but I feel like I am not the studiest person and because of that, that's why I'm like, Oh, I just wanna to go to class, but I have to go, then then I wanna do something else, you know, I want to to start my own thing or things are there but I, I feel also I've never really throw myself into the uni experience um maybe I maybe some part of me I just couldn't wait to you know get out of university after three four years <laughs> maybe that's why
0: yeah A dive out and start your own business oh my goodness so I want to talk about picture rates. you know you started this I think you were still at uni or just graduated or something. But talk to us where it's been about five years now that you've been running the business. You know, how did the idea for Pitch Eats come about and what were the first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground?
1: so i think one of the things i mentioned why i wasn't studying properly in uni is one of the things that i was doing is actually sort of helping out or volunteering in the refugee learning center so i did that with my two other partners currently who runs a business together with me uh suzanne and Keith. so at that time i think we did that about two years in uni so we did uh, volunteering in the refugee school and things like that so in kl uh, just to give a bit of context in kl the refugees are not recognized. So which means that all the schools or all the refugees in Malaysia, they're not recognized by the government as someone who can work legally. So they are here sort of like a transition. So which means that the school here is run by local NGOs or... Or even the local people here, which means there's no proper, there's no proper teachers, there's no proper syllabus or things like that. Like everybody just like running things like sort of underground if you want to think about it. But then nobody actually, uh, question or things like that. I mean, nobody actually knows that. Like one of the refugees I met, uh, they have been here for like 40 over years, which is super long. So imagine, you know, like, yeah, 40 over years, you never really work properly. You're, if you grow up as a kid, in 40 years, you probably like grew up not very smart <laughs> just because you didn't get a proper education. So anyway, so we were volunteering in the refugee learning center because there's not enough teachers. Um, and also the school condition in terms of like, teaching wasn't very good so we actually set up an organization at that time to help the school to build up some structure and to channel sort of like teachers but sort of like volunteer permanent like a consistent volunteer teachers to the school so that the kids can learn at least something so we did that for about two years and in that two years we actually do multiple things for example like let's say um, because in the school, they only teach three subjects, which is English, Maths, and Science. And because there's no other capacity to do other things. So one of my partners who is an ex-musician, she's a guitarist at that time, and she we wanted to teach the kids some sort of musical music, yeah, basically. So we, we do things like, you know, raising funds for the equipment and things like that. So that's what we have been doing for two years that I'm in uni, where that is one of the things uh, that I did. So, what happened after that, it just coincidentally, uh, there's this one phase that many of our students start to drop out of school. I think for me, like, I realized like, how privileged I am like you know, to be able to study, uh, finish high school, to go to uni, to choose what I want to study, to choose where I want to study and things like that. But I feel like why these kids have to drop out of school when they are just 10 years old, for example. Actually, it's not just one kid, it's like many, many kids. Like probably half of the class was like empty during our class. So we actually went to the parents' house and asked them, you know, why are the kids not in school? So then after that, we realized that all these kids like, who are just about like, like, 10 years old, they actually go out to work to earn some cash for the family. So imagine, you know, like 10-year-old kid dropping out of school, finding some odd job somewhere and just to earn that few hundred bucks for the family, you know. So at that time, that's where Pichai's ideas came about where we realized that uh many of the, the women actually does not really work outside, usually it's a man. Uh so we thought why not we get the women at home to cook and the money that they earn they actually can sort of send their kids back to school. Right? So that the kids doesn't have to work, now the mom can work. So we started with uh Picha family actually. The word Picha is is actually our first cook younger son name. So it's a kid name now. <laughs> yeah. So that's the idea like on how we Started picture is um, but I think how we keep on going is that I remember that this one time we we didn't know whether the idea can work or not because of legality issue mainly. Uh, because like I mentioned earlier, like the refugees are not really recognized in Malaysia, so it's a bit hard to you know set up a business or to run a business or things like that. And and if I think there's a law that if an employer is if they can prove that the employee is hiring a refugee, then the employer can get fined or jailed or things like that. Yeah, so I think things here it makes it very hard, which. Which I think the later more maybe I'll talk about like you know the the aim of Pichai is at the end we want to be able to change policy in some ways through the work that we do. But I think in the beginning the the few things that we did is I think we gathered a few of our friends who is probably older that asked them what do they think about this idea, and then I think what helped us the most is that we actually applied for this accelerator program conducted by this semi-private uh, government organization, which is magic. Yeah, so we, we went through the, the accelerator program. I think we make a certain commitment as well. So I think I think for anyone out there, if we really want to do something, I think we really have to put our time and commitment into it because at that time, I, I know I was working full time for like maybe eight months. So I decided to just like, you know, if I really want this to, to work, I have to focus. La. Why I say that is because, you know, when I was working, then, when we have some meetings, we have to schedule the meetings during my lunch break. So, imagine during lunch break, I have to run out of the office, and then in, in one hour time, I have to come back, run back <laughs> to go into the office, and things like that. So, and it's not very nice, you know, to hold your phone or, or type something to your customers or whatever in front of my ex boss, right? So, I've decided, you know, if I want to make this work, then we, we all really have to commit to it. So, I think that is one of the sort of best decisions that. We all have made like me and my partners uh to really fully commit to what it is Like i mean if it doesn't work at least we can say that you know we tried our best it didn't work okay let, yeah let's figure out something else right so i think that one two steps i guess one is to always look what's around us i think a lot of times i think again the millennials because <laughs> i work with millions so a lot of times i think we are very used to you know like spoon feeding like if you want something you ask then they, they spoon-feed you and things like that. But I think there's also a lot of resources around us, like, you know, even online, like on YouTube, or you just Google something if you want to know, or if you want to learn about something, right? So I think that that is something, like if I were to split it out, which is to be resourceful. And I think to, to be committed like, into whatever that you want to see growing, I think that is very important. And I do think also, like, you know, it's very different. Like I feel very privileged also, like, to, to start this with three, two other people, which is uh, three of us in the founding team, which I feel like it's very hard actually for a solo. If you want to start something solo, it's very hard because there's so many things to do. And like me, I'm in an accounting finance background, so I wouldn't know of like marketing. or I mean, if I want to learn, I can. But then there's also, there's this limitation of time that you cannot do everything, right, that you want. So I feel also that that is also a privilege like, if I were to think about it.
0: Oh, sweet Lin, your story is so fascinating. Honestly, when I read about what you did and now hearing it again from you now, it's incredible. You're literally, and you still are, like you you found this problem when you were so young, you know, at university and you literally found a solution and worked until you actually made it into an organisation. Like that is just, I think the question I've got from you is, how do you keep going when things get really hard and really challenging and it's almost, in your case, like the government wasn't okay? Like, you know, how do you keep going?
1: I think one thing is definitely the team. You know, if today, if I were to study alone, I feel like I would have given up much a year ago. But I feel like it's the team, the three of us that, uh, constantly push each other. That's why I mentioned if I were start started this on my own, I feel like there's nobody else, you know, I can talk to. And I mean, of course, as mentor, advisor, but it's different because they are not in, at the same journey as you. So I feel like the team, uh, the three of us, we constantly, you know, question each other, push each other, talk to each other. I think that is also very important to me so i think that that is one of the reasons and i think the second reason would be probably the vision like where where we want to see is grow to so i think that is one of the things like because like even now today you know five years later we we still feel like we didn't really i mean we we of course we have achieved something but then we feel like we haven't achieved what we want right i think it it requires another five ten years i think to be able to you know change government or change the policy uh, change something like you know in the system and things like that because yeah i, I feel like we, we haven't done that yeah i mean just very small but it's very small uh. we want to do bigger dreams. i think all of us we our dreams are very much more bigger a lot of things that we want to achieve so i think that is one of the things that keep us going uh.
0: Oh my goodness, I can't wait for the day that this actually changes the system. And I know it will, even if it takes another 10 years. You guys are honestly superstars. Oh <laughs> thank you, thank you. Look, Swielen, as we start to head to the close of today's episode, I've got a series of final questions to ask you. And the first one is, what do you believe is your greatest failure to date?
1: I think the way I view failure is very different as well. Um, definitely, you know, in, in Picha, there's a lot of multiple failures. For example, like we cannot get a certain deal or if we are not qualified for something or certain things that we didn't achieve and things like that. I think definitely there's failure in this past five years. And I think how I view failure, first thing is that I mean, I always preach this, but then it's very hard to absorb. Like, I always tell the team, like, we have to fail because when we fail, then we only we learn something, right? I think the real failure is when we fail, but then we just don't learn anything from it and we put the blame on something else. I think that is the worst kind of failure. And I think if I were to say my biggest failure is, I mean, maybe it's not a failure, but I feel like for myself, like I feel I could have done things better in a way that probably, you know, like, like learn things faster or um like make things happen because I do know like to me like I, I know when we talk about impact we always talk about either the the breath or the deep uh the the depth of it. But then I feel like yeah we have a lot of depth but we don't have many people that we have impacted. So I feel like it's not really a failure but if I were to I mean yes, like it is a failure. <laughs> I feel like I, I we we could have or I could have done things better in terms of, you know, thinking, you know, how can we grow to more people, more families, impacting or helping more people who need it. Because in Malaysia, there's like 200,000 of refugees. So let's say we take half of it who are the working ones. There's 100,000 of them. So how can we actually help these 100,000 of people, right? I think that is something that is always a constant thing in my mind, where how can we grow or scale up the impact? Which I think like, yes, like at the end, it comes down to to, to me or or to my other partners where we, we could have or we should have thing you know how can we grow this up better and probably learn things faster uh, also to to see how things actually work
0: Sweelin, honestly you're so open with us and honestly I so appreciate the fact that you're just like this is what I you know I've still got to do better and all I can say is that, you know over the last five years in business you've done a phenomenal job. You've impacted that many people, even th- maybe not, you know, as many as you'd like directly, but also just through this and through people hearing about this. And, you know, all of our peers out there listening are probably feeling as inspired as I am right now to go off and make some change and create some impact. You know, on the kind of media side of things, you've been featured in the likes of Marie Claire, Air Asia, Women's Health, and, you know, most notably, you've been featured on the Forbes 30 the Under 30 list. You know, Swaylynn, what are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out?
1: Yeah, I think first thing is that I think everybody has dreams, everybody has things that they want to to do and things that they want to achieve and things like that. But I feel like we all think too much about it. Um, So I would say like my first advice would, would be just start, just start things because all of us, we plan too much. Like we plan like into the nitty gritty of things. But then first step I think which is to start is the hardest right? Because when you want to start, it could be you You need to leave something behind or you need to let go of something because you cannot have everything in the world. I think I would say like just start. Yeah, just start. And of course, you need to have plans, a bit of plans, lah, not like no plans at all. But I think for us also, we are quite privileged because at that time, I think we because we are very fresh. So I think for us, it's like there's nothing to lose in a way because we are young. I think it's, it's also the mindset thing. Lah. But I would say that, yeah, the first one would be just start. And then the second one would be probably just ask for help. I think how we first started is that we really, you know, very thick face. <laughs> we literally go around and always ask for help. We send a lot of cold emails, we do a lot of cold calls. Uh, if we need something for someone, we ask them, you know, can you help us? in this? We need this. So I think when we first started, and actually until today where we literally just asked, I think I'm probably I know it's it's the ego side where you know you are very scared to get turned down and but to me it's like I also always tell my team where um what's the worst thing that can happen is they say no and then like okay now like you move on, <laughs> go to the next call, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I think yeah, this this is something that maybe all of us should learn. I think a lot of people they want to help. We have a lot of mentors that want to help, it's just that nobody actually asks, right? I mean Nobody asks or I'm sure if you ask like 10 people, half of them will reply, okay, I'll help you, which is what happened to us. Yeah, if you were to think, you know, the resource that we have is all around us, right? Whether is it through the internet or or on LinkedIn or just by going to a networking event, I think that is really the resource that we need. Because if you compare, you know, now and like, you know, the last maybe 100 years or things like that, there's no like the things that we have now. So now I think if you want to start something, there's no excuse, like why we cannot start it. Because we have everything that we need, I think. And I think the third thing is probably learning. I and mean, when when I say about learning, I think learning is really not just by reading or by or listening to another person. But I think learning is really, to me, I think to get the full growth on and learning all of it is when we put ourselves into uh, really learning, really um, into the experiences, into the problems. That is when we truly learn, I feel. I think uh, like, you know, when we reach to a certain age, especially I think when we graduate, we think we are very smart. And most people, they stop learning after they graduated from university, right? So I think that is a misconception. I think, I think learning should be, you know, lifelong where it doesn't just stop after you graduated from uni it needs to continue till forever right because if you are not learning or growing then you are stuck when you want to do something then you are sort of stuck so yeah i think learning growing and of course you know to learn and to grow it needs to have that humility as well because you know imagine if you reach let's say for example like 40 years old and you are learning something that a 20 year old would be doing then definitely you need to have that humility to, you know, put yourself down. And I always say like, you know, no matter whether you are 40 or whatever, we always, we need to feel our feet on the ground. We cannot be floating up. We need to always, always feel our feet on the ground so that we know, you know, what is the aim of us being in Picha is or whoever that is working currently in Picha, like what is the aim? Why do we do this? Yeah, I feel I want to add one more, which is the why. Like I always ask myself, and, of course, the team. why you want to do certain things. I think that why is very important for you to answer or for everybody to answer, like why you are still doing this, why you are doing this, why you want to join this company. So I think that why that we really ask ourselves, I feel like. And I think to learn also from Simon Sinek, where he asked himself the nine whys, I think that is really, really good that you ask the nine whys. And at the end, you know, you realize that, oh, maybe I've been thinking of it the wrong way. I've been doing things the wrong way or My front why and my last why is two different why. And usually the last why is a real reason why people do certain things. So I think yeah, to constantly ask yourself why. Why you want to do this? Why should you do this? Why shouldn't you do that?
0: (laughs) All the whys. No, all of those four things are just so, so valuable. Look, Swelan, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, particularly us, you know, young female millennials that, You know, if we have this vision, if we have this goal, if we want to make an impact, we actually can go out there and do it if we just stay focused, if we stick at it. And for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for all the kind
0: words. Of course. So look, the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: I think like, you know, whatever that we are passionate about, if we choose to pursue it, I think first thing is we all have to agree that everything that we do, it definitely there's the joy there and there is something that you're not happy about, right? Because that's how it is, right? For example, let's say if you be in a relationship, yeah, it, it brings you happiness. But then there's also these small, small things that, Will make you unhappy about, right? So I think that is something that we have to acknowledge because I feel like every time we talk about the things that we go for and things like that, we always talk about the happy things only, but we don't talk about the 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 things that you know make us very uncomfortable or make us very sad about or, or upset about or things like that. So if we can acknowledge that, I think. If you can find something that you're passionate about i think that's great i do feel that a lot of the millennials nowadays um i mean i am a millionaire but then i feel like you know just by by looking at the people around me i feel that it's sad that we all just live life like we just go 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 like i think following the norms as well it's not wrong it's just that we we go 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 we don't really know what we are doing sometimes we probably do it for the money or things like which is very normal i understand i mean and then there's no right or wrong in of course, in doing things, but I I do believe, you know, when you do things that you're passionate about, uh, again, there's ups and downs. But I do think that brings a certain satisfaction and joy as well. So to me now, I'm learning much more about what brings me joy. So I feel like now, you know, living my life, I don't know how many years I have. left, But then just by thinking of that, like every day, what I want to do is I want to do things that brings me joy. I want to do something that I enjoy doing the most, whether whether is it work or non-work related, like going to a bar and drink and things like that. I think that is something lah, that, you know, if that is one of the values, lah, I would say that whatever passion that we have, if we choose to pursue it whether it is a very small passion like one of the things that i really like is to explore speak easy bar even in malaysia or when i go to different countries i always you know i want to go and try uh, different speak easy bar different drinks and things like that because that is what i truly enjoy the most right so i feel like that is something that we all need to find back which is to find that inner child inner things that we want to do and see how we can pursue it and i think one of the key element is definitely because to see if that brings joy to
0: us <laughs> oh i love it Sweet oh so great i absolutely love it where can we learn more about you and picture eats
1: for me uh um, you, you can follow me on linkedin i guess it can be a mutual connection on linkedin but if you guys want to find out more about picture eats you can go to our website which is uh, com. So dot scom Perfect.
0: Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Sweet Lynn. It's been so awesome, of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember Peers. We're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, Peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your